to receive a word today. Um, if we'd like to stretch our hands forward, um, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I want Alex. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Could you go forward and pray for Randall for me? Could you over as we receive the word? <laughs> okay, thank you. Father God, we thank you, Father, for this man of God, and we thank you for the word that he is, or that you have put in him this morning. I pray that our hearts and our minds are open to receive this word, Lord Jesus, and we bless this man in your holy name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Okay. Don't forget to okay. Yeah. Should we slide over? Uh, no, I'm okay. Open. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Right. Thank you. It's okay. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, as we said earlier, we're few in number, but I think the worship time was wonderful, wasn't it? And big thank you to Dwayne and... Thank you very much. Uh, Before I begin, I'm going to let you into a secret because there are so few of us, the others are away. So don't, don't let them know. The secret I want to let you into is, this is not my comfort zone. <laughs> Preaching is not my comfort zone. Whenever I come to preach, I always remember the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, if it were possible, let this cup pass from me. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, whatever we think we're comfortable with, let's step out in faith. As Peter did when he stepped out onto the water. He stepped out in faith. And God always calls each of us to step out in faith and leave our comfort zone behind. It's interesting the songs we sung this morning because there was a similar theme I found in them. It was to do with our difficulties, going through difficult times. <coughs> and that's what I want to speak about today. So it's interesting how the Lord works. That he lays something on your heart, you're not quite sure how it's going to fit in. But that's what I want to speak about today. Going through and how do we deal with them. But before I do that, I want to read a scripture from 2 Timothy 3. I think most of us are familiar with it, but I want to read it. This is what 2 Timothy 3, 16 says. All scripture is God-breathed, that is inspired by God, and is useful, is profitable for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man, the woman, the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this is why we preach. This is why we teach. Because all scripture has been inspired by God. And not only that, it's useful. It's profitable for us. So as we listen, as we receive the word of God, let's bear that in mind. This comes from God himself, not from me. And receive it from him, and you will find it is useful and profitable to you and for you. In what way, I don't know. But when God speaks, there's always a purpose. He always has a purpose in his word. And his word, it never returns void. It always completes and performs the purpose for which he sent it. So why he's sending the word today, I don't know, your personal life, but God knows. And the word will meet you at your point of need. So receive it in that way. The scripture I'm going to speak about is taken from Romans 8. Very familiar passage, Romans 8. Life through the Spirit, future glory, more than conquerors. We're going to concentrate on this middle section, which in my Bible is entitled Future Glory. But I'm not going to concentrate so much on the future glory. Lots of times we get scriptures, words, teaching about future glory. And that's good. But I'm going to concentrate on something else. I'll read through the passage quickly. But we're going to concentrate on the last two verses of the passage. Romans 8.26. Sorry, we're going to start at 18. This is Paul speaking. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. I'm going to pause there. Because someone may say, what does Paul know about suffering? It's all right for him. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know what I'm facing. Well, let me show you what Paul knows about suffering. This is his testimony, taken from 2 Corinthians 11. Starting at verse 23. This is what Paul says. He says, I am more. He's comparing himself to others. <coughs> so he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. With rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, 
in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I've laboured and told and have often gone without sleep. I know hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked and besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So Paul knows something about suffering. He's been there. He's got the t-shirt. He knows all about it. So he can speak to us because he knows what he's talking about. So this is what he says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yes, there is a time when God's glory will be revealed in us completely and finally. And Paul says, our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with that. He goes on, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Paul is suggesting that all of creation has been subjected to bondage. When Adam sinned, not only was the human race subject to the consequence of sin, but all of God's creation has been subjected to the consequence of Adam's sin. And Paul describes it as frustration, as bondage. God's creation is not how it should be. Now many of us enjoy the countryside, landscapes, sunsets, lovely views. But Paul says creation is not how it should be. When Jesus returns, creation will be liberated into its full glory. And what we see now, it will be far more then. What we appreciate of creation now, there will be a greater glory to come. But Paul says creation has been subjected to bondage. It's been frustrated. But it's waiting in hope. And what is that hope? The glorious freedom of the children of God. Creation is waiting for us to be revealed into the glorious freedom that God will give us. So till then, it waits. It waits patiently. And verse 22, Paul goes on. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly <coughs> as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we hope, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes what he already has? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And Paul says not only is the creation waiting in expectation to be liberated, but we also, who are the children of God, we are waiting in expectation to be liberated into the full glory that God will give to us. And in the meantime, we wait patiently. Paul says that we groan inwardly. He says creation is groaning and the people of God are groaning. Groaning is an expression of deep feeling. So there's something within us that has an expectation, that has a sense of waiting for something to be revealed. And Paul says we need to wait patiently. He says if we hope for that thing, though we do not have it yet, yet we wait for it patiently. So that's good. So far so good. Everything's positive, isn't it? We're waiting for the expectation of this glorious revelation of God's glory. Creation is waiting to be revealed in us, to be released from its bondage. All positive, all good. But let's go back to verse 18. Paul speaks of our present suffering. In the meantime, while we have this expectation of this greater glory to come, many of us go through times of suffering. Do we not? Difficulties, discouragement, distress. So what do we do in the meantime? I know there, may, there are some in our fellowship who are going through difficult times, discouraging times, distressing times, waiting for answers to prayer. Many of us are waiting for God to answer our prayers. So what do we do in the meantime? While we wait, fortunately, Paul has an answer for us. This is what he says, verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That's good to know, isn't it? We're not alone. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. So let's have a look at those two verses. Let's break them down a bit. With me so far? God's word is good, isn't it? God always has a word for us. And let's embrace it and hear what God is saying to us. Because it would help us, it would release us. This is what Paul says. In the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that our hope, our expectation in God, sustains us in difficult times... So Paul says, in that same way as our hope sustains us, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
In the same way that our hope, our hope of future glory sustains us, so the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because as is the creation, so are we. As the creation groans and is frustrated, so are we. In times we groan inwardly and we go through times of frustration. So as the creation is subjected to frustration, so also we may be. It's a different sort of message, isn't it? Normally we speak of victory, triumph, glory, but I want to speak to you differently today because I know that it's not all glory. It's not all triumph. We're not always up. Sometimes we go through the valleys. And we need to know how we survive, how we get through those times. And this is what God wants to say to you today, that he's with you. He goes through the valley with you. Amen? Amen. So we are also subjected to frustration. But look at Psalm 103, verse 14. It says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. He knows that we are frail and inconsequential. He knows that we are subject to disappointment, to discouragement and distress. He knows that. So, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He's there with us and he's within us. And this is the reason for the patience and hope of the Christian who undergoes suffering. It's knowing that the Spirit helps us, is with us, in our weakness, and he joins us in our prayers. And without this assistance, we may be too weak to endure. Sometimes it's difficult to endure, isn't it? To hold on, to see the way forward. Sometimes... We think, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to give up. I can't go any further. But the spirit within us helps us and strengthens us and comforts us and inspires us in our prayers. So don't give up. Though the way it may seem difficult to you at the moment, God is with you. He's in you. And he will help you. He will comfort you. He will supply your need. Our God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Underneath are the everlasting arms. He's a good God, isn't he? He's always with us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Sometimes where there is no comfort, where we can find no comfort, our comfort comes from God because he is the God of all comforts. And as he gives each of us the, that comfort, we may comfort others 
who need that same comfort. So let's be vessels of comfort to others, those who may be going through difficult times. The comfort that God has comforted us, let's extend it to others so that we may be able to bless, help and support <coughs> others in our fellowship and elsewhere. He is the God of all comfort and he comforts us. Are you receiving God's comfort today? Are you hearing what he's saying to us today? I hope so. Because this word may not be just for today, but in the days to come. So retain it, receive it, hold it fast, hold on to it. Let's keep going. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. It's true that, isn't it, sometimes? Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray, what to pray. We don't know what to say. But the scripture says, the Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. He speaks for us on our behalf. It says with groans that words cannot express. We may not know what to pray. We may not know what the need is. We may not know what the problem is. And even if we do, we may not know how to express it. What to ask for? What's the best solution to the problem? Oftentimes, we may not know what to pray for to achieve God's purpose in a matter. Sometimes there are different options. There's a situation, we may have different ways of praying for that situation. But it's important to know how to pray to achieve God's purpose in that matter. But sometimes we don't know. We're at a loss. We can't express it. And in those times, the scripture says, the spirit prays for us on our behalf. When we can't pray, he prays within us. When we can't find the words to express how we're feeling, he prays for us because he knows us. He's formed us. Isn't it true? No one knows us like God knows us. So when we can't pray, the Spirit intercedes for us. And it says the Spirit himself. He prays. He doesn't delegate the responsibility to someone else. He's personally involved with us. You see that? The Spirit himself. Whenever you see in scripture where it says God himself, the Spirit himself, understand that he's taken a personal interest in that matter. It's the Spirit himself. He knows us and he himself intercedes for us. He himself prays for us because he cares for us. He's interested in us. He doesn't delegate. He doesn't get an angel or a saint or somebody else. He prays himself for us. He communicates, he speaks to the Father on our behalf. The scripture says, with groans that words cannot express. Sometimes words aren't enough, are they? Sometimes you just, you just haven't got the words to pray. You don't know what to say. How shall I put this? The scripture says, 
with groans that words cannot express. Sometimes we have a deep longing, a deep need, and we can't express it. Sometimes we just have to cry out to God. Sometimes all we can say is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Sometimes we can't even say that. Sometimes we just groan, sometimes we weep, sometimes we sigh. But the scripture says, the spirit intercedes for us with groans which cannot be uttered, which words cannot express. Now whether it's the spirit who groans or that he interprets our groans and communicates them to the Father, the scripture doesn't say. But whatever it is, no matter, he intercedes for us on our behalf. He speaks to the Father on our behalf. He empathises with us. He feels our pain. Did you know that God feels your pain? It's a remarkable thing, isn't it? God feels my pain. He knows what, how I'm feeling. He knows what I'm going through. He feels my pain. And the Spirit empathises <coughs> with me. He feels my pain. Is there something that you're praying for? Something that you can't pray for? The spirit within you, he prays for you. He understands. He understands what you're going through. He understands the need of your heart, the desires of your heart. And he prays for you where you cannot pray. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness. <coughs> Speaking of Jesus, he is our great high priest, the one who sits in heaven, and he intercedes and speaks for us to God on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So as Jesus sits in heaven and intercedes for us on our behalf to the Father, so the Spirit prays within us. He intercedes for us on our behalf to the Father. When the prayers of the Christian are too deep and too intense for words, then we may know that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, speaking for us on our behalf. It is the Spirit himself, himself, who prays to God the Father for us on our behalf. It's good to know that, isn't it? When we cannot pray, he prays for us. So in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. It's the Father who searches our hearts. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The Father searches our hearts. Because he knows us. He knows what's in us. 
As we said earlier, he formed us and he knows everything about us. And because the Father loves us, he searches our hearts. He goes deep within us, not on the surface, he searches deep within. He knows us, he's intimately acquainted with us. It says before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. Before we were created, he chose us. So the Father searches our hearts, so he knows what is the desire of our hearts. He knows our hurts, he knows our fears. They're not hidden from him. He understands us. And not only does the Father search our hearts, he also knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows the desires of our hearts. Even us, without us articulating them, speaking them then, he knows what's in us. The Father knows what's in our heart because he searches deep within. And not only that, the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Father and the Spirit, they're of one mind. They're of one nature. They're of one purpose. They're always in agreement. Those work in harmony. They work together. So as with the Father, so with the Spirit. As with the Spirit, so with the Father. The Spirit knows us, what's in our mind. The Father knows the mind of the Spirit. So he's, he's acquainted with us. He knows what's going through our mind, what we're thinking. So he searches deep within us, within our hearts. And he knows what we're thinking. Nothing is hidden from him. It's good to know that, isn't it? God knows us intimately. We can't hide anything from him. He knows us when we're up. And he knows us when we're down. Is it uh, the psalmist who says, where can I go from his presence? Wherever we may go, whatever situation we're in, we can't go from the presence of the Lord. He's always with us. He's always close <coughs> to us. And not only is he with us, he's also in us. He knows what's in our hearts and he knows what we're thinking. So be encouraged. You're not on your own. As you go through these times, these present sufferings, these times of difficulties, discouragement and distress, God is with us. Why? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Spirit knows God's will and he intercedes for us on our behalf in accordance with God's will. He speaks on our behalf to the Father. 
He's our advocate with the Father. You know what an advocate is? Someone who speaks on the behalf of someone else. In Scotland, a barrister is called an advocate. He's someone who puts someone's case before another. So the Spirit is our advocate. He speaks on our behalf to the Father. He puts our case. And he's never lost a case yet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Jesus is our advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is our advocate within us. So we have two advocates. We can't lose, can we? Speak on our behalf. Jesus speaks on our behalf in heaven. The Spirit speaks within us on our behalf. How can we lose? Don't be discouraged. The Father, the Son and the Spirit are working together on our behalf. The scripture says, no good thing with he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Romans also says, all things work together for good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So if you love him, which you do, if you've been called according to his purpose, which you have, all things, not some things, not many things, all things are working together for your good. Isn't that amazing? Whatever the situation seems, however my circumstances may be, God is working all things for our good. So hold on. Keep trusting. Things will turn around. How the situation seems at the moment, God is able to turn that around. He's working on our behalf. The Son speaks on our behalf in heaven. The Spirit speaks on our behalf within us. This is all very good, isn't it? <laughs> it's good to know this. So, how will God answer my prayer? When will he answer my prayer? How will things turn out? Well, I've got to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that question. So what certainty do we have? What's the point of this sermon? What have you been trying to tell us, Randolph? If you haven't got the answer to that question, how will my prayer be answered? How will things turn out? Well, though I can't answer that question, I can give you some certainties. These things I am sure of because I have become convinced of them because God has convinced me of these things. This is what God says. These things are certain. So hold on to these things as you go through difficult times when you can't see the end of the matter, when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. These things are certain. These things are sure. First of all, the Spirit prays in us on our behalf to God. And the Son prays on our behalf to God. We have two advocates, one in heaven and one within us. The Spirit prays on our behalf in accordance with God's will. Whatever God's will is, it will be done. 
and the Spirit is praying on our behalf according to God's will. So be, be certain of that. God's will will be done. Hold on to that. And we know that the Father hears us. If we pray to him, the scripture says, we know, not we expect, not maybe, we know that the Father hears us. And if we know that if he hears us, we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Does he hear us? Does he hear us? Then what do we know? What do we know? What are we sure of? That we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Isn't that true? It's not maybe. It's not possibly. It's not probably. It says we know. We know. That because he hears us. We have the petitions. The requests. That we have desired of him. These things we can be certain of. The father. Works everything. After the counsel. Of his own will. In other words. God doesn't have to consult with anyone. He can work it out for himself. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need anybody's help. God is working it out. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. God's will will be done. You can be certain of that. These things we are certain of. God knows what he's doing. <laughs> That's good to know. I just thought just come to my mind. I thought of the Brexit situation. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. There's many intelligent people. All the intelligent people in this land have all got different ideas, but nobody knows, can I say this, what the heck they're doing. Yes. <laughs> can I say that? Yes, nobody knows. Everybody's got their own idea how it's going to work out, what's the best thing to do, but nobody really knows. But one body, someone who does know is God. Amen. God knows how to work things out. God knows the solution to every problem. Amen. So you can rest on that. If nobody else knows, God knows. Isn't that true? So whether you voted in or whether you voted out, don't worry. God knows how to work it out. He knows the solution of the problem. We can trust him. In fact, because God knows the end from the beginning. Before it all started and we're working towards the end, God already knows how the end will turn out. So rest in that. Don't worry. Don't try and work it out and give yourself a headache and frustrate yourself. And say, oh, what's going to happen? I don't know how this is going to work out. God already knows. He knows the end from the beginning. And he's taken us there. He's taken us through it. He's taken us through the circumstances. He's taken us through this situation. So hold on to him. Because he knows what he's doing. And he knows where he's going. So trust God and hold on to him. He knows what to do. He knows where he's going. He knows where he's taking us. So we can trust him. So those things we can be confident about. 
I can't guarantee you anything, but these things are certain. This is God's word, and he stands behind it. It says, his word is forever settled in heaven. It's already settled. It's already been decided. The outcome has already been planned and perfected. It's already settled. We're just working towards the end that God has determined. Do you know that? We're working towards the end that God has already determined. So don't worry about anything. He's got it in hand. It's going to work out. So in these things, we can be confident. Do you, are you feeling confident now? As you go through these present circumstances. I hope so. Because God is on your side. God is on your case. He's working it out on your behalf. And more, more than that, than what I've just said, the Spirit praying for us, interceding on our behalf, the Father hearing us, granting our requests, God working everything out after the counsel of his own will. More than that, this is what we can be certain about. We know that he loves us. We know that he cares for us. We know that he's faithful. And if you hold on to that, that knowledge, that certainty, if you know that God loves you, which he does, if you know that he's faithful, which he is, we can rest in his love. And we can rest in his faithfulness. Amen? Amen? Let's do that. God bless you. Amen.